All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host, as always. Uh, we're waiting on Walker Bragman, who is going to uh, join me today to talk a little bit about the uh, the elections, the election results from uh, Tuesday. But we're also going to, uh, you know, kind of launch off here talking about uh, the the Bush apologia uh, that we've seen in liberal circles, uh, especially, you know, in, um, in, uh, MSNBC, you know, these kind of like liberal institutions, these media institutions, Walker, I just invited you, you can just join, uh, join the call. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of the way that we have seen these institutions, uh, launder, uh, Bush's reputation, uh, to the point where he's now kind of seen as this sort of cuddly figure, this, this statesman, um, you know, all, all of which is pretty grotesque if you're at all familiar with his presidency, um, as as I'm sure uh, most of us are. Uh, but you know, um, it, it that's the way it's been going, uh, and that's the way that that Bush has been uh, portrayed in liberal circles, uh, which has been you know quite frustrating, I think, for for those of us who remember what it was like when he was president. Uh, remember, you know the hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, uh, upwards of a million killed uh, in his war on Iraq, uh, the uh, millions who have died in Afghanistan and, and all, all over the Middle East because of his behavior and, and his, his war and his, uh, his general presidency, uh, you know, like he crashed the economy, there's Katrina, I mean, there's just so much, and uh, and, you know, for a while it did seem after his presidency was over that, you know, that maybe there would be a little shame this time, maybe it would be a little bit different. Uh, but we have certainly seen, uh, especially since Trump came into office, that the, the, the desire to kind of rehabilitate and launder Bush's reputation uh, is pretty strong. And, you know, I, I think that MSNBC gets a lot of hate uh, for, you know, for, for mostly like really good reasons. Um and I think that, you know, one of the reasons that MSNBC gets so much hate and so much anger is that uh, the network, you know, kind of portrays itself as this progressive liberal voice. But in reality, uh, what MSNBC does is kind of launder conservative talking points to impressionable liberals. And we see that with, you know, the fact that we have uh, Nicole Wallace former uh, press secretary for Bush has her own show, like a two hour show on MSNBC, Steve Schmidt, uh, former Cheney aide, uh, you know, for, for a long time, uh, was one of the commentators. He then went on to go form project Lincoln. Um, he's kind of in my good graces right now. Cause he just kind of like nuked, uh, the McCain's, uh, last week, but, but he's still, uh, he's still no good. Um, and you know, like a, a lot of a lot of these kind of right wing ghouls have 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 leapt onto the opportunity to launder themselves and their reputations, uh, in, in that this opportunity that was completely given to them uh, by Bush being kind of rehabilitated uh, in the wake of the Trump election and during the Trump administration as kind of this this good guy. I wrote about this uh, back in 2017 for the first time. I've written about it a number of times this this phenomenon. Uh, but I wrote about it in 2017 in the context of, uh, I think it was it was Peace for Fairness and Accuracy in reporting uh, uh, Bush on the right side of uh, the nostalgia machine or something of that general effect. 
And, you know, the argument behind it was that if you go back and you, like, this is like nothing new, right? Like, if you go back and you look at during age, uh, during W's presidency, they were laundering his dad. Uh, they were laundering his dad's reputation, H.W. Bush. They were acting like H.W. Bush was, uh, you know, some, uh, some like, paragon of decency, um, as opposed to, like, you know, the, the actual presidency that he had, which was this kind of cowardly... Uh, cowardly kind of scraping in front of the uh, religious right, even though, you know, it seemed pretty clear that he didn't really believe in any of that stuff. Uh, and, and you know, like kind of like lo looking back to the days of maybe we could just have him, you know, things wouldn't be so crazy now uh, with George W. Bush. And so, like I'm saying, like, exactly. So this is the same thing that's happening now uh, with, with W or has happened since Trump. And, you know, who knows when uh, President DeSantis or, or whoever, uh, whatever, whatever ghoul they put up in 2024, who beats Hillary? Um, will you know? Will be will be president, and we'll see the same thing uh, with Trump. I'm I'm pretty sure. So uh, that's like the general context. That's the general idea behind uh, you know the kind of the theme of of this episode, or at least the first half of this episode. Uh, but the reason that this has kind of uh, kind of came to the fore, and the reason that I was thinking about this so much, is because. Uh, Bush made uh, this like kind of gaffe uh, last night at the George W. Bush Institute, which I assume is somewhere in Texas. I don't really know too much about it. Uh, he's talking about Ukraine. He's talking about um, he's talking about uh, Putin. I'm just going to play the clip uh, because it it is like one of those things where you just kind of have to hear it to believe it. So um, I'm going to play this really quick, and then on the other side, I'll, I'll intro Walker, and then uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit. In contrast. Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 75. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. So, yeah, uh, as you'll hear, you know, he's, he's, he's joking about that. I think that, you know, just to back it up for one second, though, it is kind of interesting to hear him uh, talking about a rigged election, uh, considering how he came into office in the first place, uh, which was a literal rigged election in Florida, uh, where that, you know, the, the, the state was basically given to him uh, by his brother, the governor, and uh, the secretary of state, uh, Catherine Harris, who was his campaign chair for the state. Um, and, you know, like the, the, the recount and the Supreme Court stopping, I think everybody knows or is at least like somewhat familiar with that story. So we won't get into that uh, totally. But, um, you know, his his comments about Iraq and then like laughing about it, of course, has has made a lot of people pissed off, rightfully. Uh, has angered a lot of people, and but again, like I said, like the context of this, like the reason that this guy is, uh, you know, feels comfortable even like leaving his house at this point, uh, is because his image has been rehabilitated. He is now able to be a public figure uh, in a way that he wasn't really able to be for the few first few years after his presidency. I mean, if anybody like forgets what that was like, uh, he was massively unpopular. Uh, it did look like he had pretty much killed the Republican Party. Obviously, that was not true. Uh, but it did look like, you know, that, that he had damaged the uh, the brand, so to speak, for a really long time. Uh, but, 
he's he's slowly kind of crept back in and then of course Trump gave the opportunity uh for him to him to kind of slip back in and then you know like uh, Michelle Obama blah 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 we can get into all of that but first I'm just going to introduce Walker here Walker Bragman uh friend of the show uh great journalist I'm really glad to have him here uh to talk about this and as I said uh earlier like to also talk on the other side about elections so Walker thanks um What's your take on all of this? I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to if you share my uh, my anger, if you're maybe a little more sanguine about it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Always, always fun to chat. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I saw the clip, and my first reaction was like, that's funny. And then I thought about it after I watched it, like, 10 or 15 more times and progressively got more frustrated. <laughs> Uh, and by the end of it, I just complete panic. Like, you know, that feeling when your stomach kind of just drops out, like he's basically just admitted that this catastrophic loss of life and, and destruct, you know, all this destruction that he set into motion, you know, was unjustified. And like, it's just staggering. Like it laughs from the room, like, like, oh my God is he actually saying this? And, and, you know, you, you, you brought up earlier that like Bush has been rehabilitated. I think in 2017, you know, he went on Kimmel like in, in what was it like March? He went on Kimmel. And then two months later, Nicole Wallace joined MSNBC. Like it's the rehabilitation of these people is just, it's unbelievable. Like this man should be, should be prosecuted for war crimes. And he's, he's getting, laughs and like oh that's cute you know oh grandpa george yeah it's quite frustrating i mean like i i i read a um a great great biography of bush that i would recommend to like you know anybody who's interested uh it's it's just called bush it's by gene edward smith uh it came out i think in in 2016 and it does talk about like his his like level of charisma um sorry there's a truck outside uh his level of charisma where you know he 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 is likable and so like that you know it is interesting like i don't like i'm not actually like so surprised that the crowd like laughed along with him and i'm not even like necessarily gonna say that that's uh you know a, a sign of um like total sociopath so, uh sociopathy on their on their parts although i'm not not saying that either um but you know <laughs> i i do think that um it is it is interesting that he could just kind of say I, you know people did bring up that he he just kind of says oh yeah Iraq too like he like he's like kind of like oh yeah okay yeah I did do that whatever it doesn't matter I mean he just doesn't it, it, it there's no consequence whatsoever so like why would he care right like there's no reason for him to 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 feel bad about literally anything he did this shit never on Kimmel too he he kind of he kind of poked fun at himself on Kimmel too like yeah you know he mentioned like. Uh, like, do you have any regrets or like you're no stranger to like faux pas? And he goes, yeah, mission accomplished. Like he is, he is a likable person, you know, or his his persona that he has is, is likable. I I think, I think to an extent sort of learned from the, the lessons uh, of Republican strategist Lee Atwater, who was like, you know, these liberals think they're so smart. Uh, and you can kind of bumble and humble your way into into power. So I, I, I think yeah, I don't, you can, per- you can pretend that you're not a, a Yale guy. You can pretend that you're just like a just a just a regular old you know whatever. 
Exactly. So I, I don't I don't think that Bush I think Bush's persona is is definitely definitely uh crafted. I don't think he's he is not as stupid as as you know liberal media love to portray him as and actually it played right into his hands, right? Like because when liberal media called Bush stupid, southern voters see that and, you know, that resent you know there's that resentment uh, these liberal elites, they don't, they don't understand or care about our way of life. And, you know, for, you can, there's, there's a whole discussion to be had about whether, how, how valid those sentiments, those sentiments are, but they, they do exist. And uh, I think Bush learned those lessons pretty early on in his political career, even helping uh, out on his dad's presidential campaign, you know, as I said, with Atwater. Yeah, he definitely, uh, he definitely did. But, um, I just want to kind of, you know, uh, move the conversation a little bit different direction just to talk about, like, less about him with Atwater and with his dad's campaign and more about kind of what we have seen uh, with liberal media uh, since, uh, you know, since Trump, basically, or since, like, maybe 2015, 2014, um, where, uh, where Bush has been kind of reinvented into this cuddly figure. You know, I, I know this drives you nuts, too. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, what, what do you think kind of the motivation is behind that? What, what, you know, do you think that it's, you think it is conscious? You think it's unconscious? Um, you know, I mean, I think maybe we could just start with MSNBC. Like I said, it's a favorite punching bag for a good reason. Um, you know, like, I mean, he, he has certainly experienced a renaissance in how he's covered by that network, you know, kind of going all the way back to the beginning of his term back when MSNBC wasn't pretending to be liberal. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I know, I know you see it too. So, what do you think? I think that Trump. I mean, it's obviously backlash to Trump, right? Like Trump came out and was like, the, the said things that other candidates haven't really said explicitly. You know, like these, uh, the fake news media, the journalists, the enemies of the people. Like he, he really, you know, put people on on notice. Uh, I guess of how a lot of America felt about about corporate media, and you know, I, I, I let me just pause here and say I think I don't think it was his place to make those critiques. He's a candidate. I don't I don't think attacking journalists is is a good thing for uh, a presidential candidate. That said, I think when that happened, Bush represents a time when. Uh, it, it, or, or when a lot of people in corporate media felt that, you know, well, the parties may have their differences, but there is a certain decorum that exists in, in, in D.C. Uh, and, and so, you know, when obviously Bush, if Bush has criticisms about Trump, it's, it's a, you know, he's, here is a real Republican, and see, even he doesn't like Trump. Like, I think that's what sort of drove it. Um, but yeah, I think it's resulted in, in just the horrible like whitewashing of this of the history of neoconservatives and the, the, the Bush administration, and the war crimes that they committed and the torture and the you know, outing of Valerie Blame, you know, like that that sort of stuff. Like people just forget this and and behind this image of, you know, Grandpa Bush, which puts his best features uh, out out front. And completely ignores the, the the pile of bodies that he's standing in front of. 
Yeah, pile of bodies is a good way to put it. You know, like the, uh, I mean, again, like, you know, like talking about like the, uh, you know, the specific like quote unquote gaffe that he made, right? Uh, where, where he's, you know, talking about the invasion of Iraq, like, um, you know, he clearly knows like, like what happened. He clearly knows like what he did on some level. Um, but again, he just doesn't care about it. And I think that a lot of that is because there's just no accountability and he knows that he's never going to face any, I mean, this guy has never faced any accountability for anything in his entire life. I mean, like, you know, he is, he is a spoiled, uh, child of privilege from, uh, you know, from a, a rich, you know, scion of a rich Connecticut Yale family. I mean, like there's, you know, he, he is, he has never had to face any kind of consequences really for anything. Um, he, you know, he got to cheat his way into, uh, into getting the, the presidency. Uh, he got to, uh, he got to, uh, get reelected then, um, you know, there were some investigations of some of the people uh, around his orbit, but nobody he was particularly close with other than Alberto Gonzalez really ever had to face any kind of uh, unpleasantness. And all um, Gonzalez really had to do was just, um, you know, resign and then kind of be slightly worried that he might um, he might get uh, uh, indicted at some point, you know, for, for a few years, which, of course, was ridiculous because the Democrats would never do that, uh, which which is its own kind of level of frustration. Um, but, you know, like... I. I think that there is a certain, like, kind of sick sickness to uh, seeing, you know, his former aides on TV, uh, like Nicole Wallace, um, that is that is particularly kind of insidious, especially when it's on, like, the so-called liberal network. Um, and, Walker, I'm just kind of curious, like, it, I mean, specifically, I guess, Wallace, but, but also, like, you know, like, MSNBC's entire stable at this point is just a bunch of people... Uh, you know, kind of coming out uh, with, you know, from like the Bush administration, from these other, uh, these other administration, uh, these other like uh, hangers on of the administration uh, from that time. And they're all kind of like hanging out there and around. Um, I'm curious what you think about that. And then, uh, and then I think we'll take Sean's call. I know normally, uh, so just everybody uh, listening, like, so normally like we take calls at the end. Uh, this was kind of a pretty impromptu uh, discussion. So I think we might just kind of take them in a rolling order so if you have any comments or anything, please feel free uh, to jump in. All right. Uh, yeah. So Walker, yeah, just kind of curious. As, you know, what do you think about that? The MSNBC, the Nicole Wallace being on there, and that kind of general like that level of media rehab. Now you just got to unmute yourself there. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. You're good. Fabulous. So, yeah, I. I mean, I don't like it. <laughs> I think that this is sort of this weird coalition that, that you know, Democrats have been trying to form with, like, the, the anti-Trump Republicans. I think that's, that's what this is sort of a part of. For, from a corporate perspective, uh, I think that's, that's probably where the company estimates the money will come from, that if we can unite these audiences, you know, we can be the more uh, respectable uh, conservative network, and, you know, while Fox is off the off the deep end with with Trump and everything. So I, I I mean I think it's terrible. I think I think you could hire a lot of journalists for what they're paying those people. I think that that's, you know. But you know, it's just a cable news. I I don't expect much from them in the, from, you know, the uh from the outset. So 
this it doesn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me at the time. It was frustrating, uh, obviously. I think that it's more representation for shitty opinions, um, mainstreaming shitty opinions. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. There is. I mean, but but there's. It's more than that, though, isn't it? Like there is a certain amount of mainstreaming of this kind of uh, conservative thought uh, that didn't that didn't kind of exist in quite the same way. Um, and again, you know, like I realize I'm picking on Wallace, but like, I mean, she is a perfect example, right? This is somebody who used to work in the Bush White House who now kind of launders Bush White House talking points uh, to a liberal audience, right? Right. I mean, yeah, there's, there's definitely, I think it makes sense for, for the, for, you know, corporate interests to to want those viewpoints uh, rather than progressive viewpoints on on air. I I don't know. Does MSNBC have any real progressive commentators? I mean, at all? Does it? I mean, I'm sure that there are a few. Um, I think, you know, I think you could say uh, Amon and and Mehdi are are somewhat, um, uh, you know, to the left. Um, I think they are constrained. By how much you know they're constrained into how much they can do, but they do at least try. I think, right? I think you could say. Right. I, 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 I did admittedly forget about Medi. Uh, <laughs> I I'm so used to his show being on Peacock, I didn't realize that that he had, you know. Yeah, yeah he's but on anyway, the spot for the rest of the week, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's okay. That's 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 great. One one progressive voice uh, on a network awash in uh, neocons. <laughs> Oh, you know what? There's actually there's a great comment here, and then we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take Sean here. But um, yeah, most infuriating example is how Stephen Colbert turned into some pathetic liberal nostalgic from the Bush era. Yeah, um, I would say that uh, Colbert, like to just think about Colbert's um, performance at the White House Correspondents Dinner, which is kind of like was his like big moment, um, and then to kind of compare that to. Uh, what he's doing now um, is just—I mean, I mean—we could do a whole episode on 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 how terrible Colbert is, uh, but I mean, yeah, like like easily like the most uh, disappointing uh, of of that kind of cohort of of, of you know Bush era comedy guys, uh, just like just horrible. Like I. I it kind of, I don't even really know what to say about it, like, uh, you know, with, without any preparation. Uh, I guess I'll just say that um, I find it uh, pretty revolting. Oh, and, you know, I just want to add one thing here, and that's, I think there might also, something else might be going on as well, that, that there is a sort of desperation to understand what's happening in the current Republican Party. And so... Um, Networks are, or, or, or networks are turning toward these uh, relics of the old GOP to to sort of find that or hopefully glean something from it or they think that's what the audience wants or whatever. But I, I really don't think that these people who gave way to Trump, you know, the 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 old GOP that that Trump took over, have any real insights that uh, that could help with the with sort of writing the ship. Uh, if anything, I think their mistakes and their decisions and their lack of understanding of, of the, the, the public and the, the, you know, policy, I think created Trump. So 
that's that would be my my guess that 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 might also factor in that they think yeah that, oh there's some answer here to be found at least i mean th- yeah there is a possibility though that you know that yeah they don't have anything to offer um all right uh sean we're gonna take your call um you just try and keep it relatively short uh but but you're good to go Just got to unmute yourself. That'll be down on the bottom right there. Oh, got it. Sorry. New app for me. Can you hear me pretty okay? I'm in a car. Yep. yep I got you. Yep. Okay. So my comment is, uh, why doesn't independent media, I mean, I know you can only answer for yourself, but why doesn't independent media just finally come to the obvious conclusion? I mean, it's been 20 years of this now. We don't have a democracy. Both parties are the same party. Uh, the thing is a complete fraud. People, what people really want to hear is probably Marxism. The only problem is that, of course, media is owned by the antithesis of Marxism. But what's stopping you from just acknowledging that the whole thing is bullshit? And it has, I mean, listening to media, main, MSM, you know, mainstream media, has about as much value as listening to static on the radio. Like you would never spend any time commenting on static. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. And I listen to it. I know it's compelling, but or very interesting. But just, you know, establish the truth and move on to what we can do next. I mean, it's not like we have that much more to go. I live in South Florida. We're like six feet above sea level here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I I think that um, so. So that is an interesting question. I I think that I I don't agree that um, that the media that mainstream media is as unimportant as, as you seem to think it is, um, you know, you know, you and I, and, and, you know, everybody here, uh, you know, like myself and my colleagues in independent media, I mean, we, we obviously understand, uh, how lacking in consistency and, and lacking in, uh, you know, any kind of, um, I guess ideological importance as far as like the left wing project goes, uh, that mainstream media, uh, may be, uh, but it is a very, very influential, uh, medium of messaging in, in, it is a, a medium that reaches millions and millions and millions of people. Um, and so, and, and it also shapes and drives, uh, the way that U S politics, uh, basically goes like, like this is how, like, uh, you know, like they, like they pay attention to the mainstream media. They pay attention, uh, to MSNBC, to Fox news, to CNN. Um, and so, uh, you know, like you can not like it, uh, for sure. Uh, but to, to just say that it should be ignored and kind of dispensed with, I don't think that that is particularly useful. Um, mostly because, uh, that kind of, obfuscates like the importance that it actually has, uh, in, you know, determining the way that, um, the way that, that policy is made and the, and the way that the kind of the zeitgeist goes for, I mean, like, you know, uh, like it or not, uh, Biden and the people in the white house, uh, they pay attention to these guys and they do make decisions, uh, based at least in part on, on what they think about what, you know, they hear on the takes on MSNBC or whatever. And so because of that, I think it is important, uh, to pay attention to them. Um, and yes, you're right. It is fun. It is fun to dunk on these guys because obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're well-known and their hypocrisy, 
uh, is enraging and kind of, you know, there's, there's a certain amusement to doing it, but it's also, I think it is important. I think it is important to, to call this stuff out. Um, you know, and, and like, you know, look, uh, one of the reasons that George W. Bush, uh, is, has been rehabilitated is because of the mainstream media. And we can't really, I don't think we can really talk about Bush, uh, as far as Bush in 2022, uh, without talking about that. I think that that's a really important, uh, part of the conversation. Walker, where, where do you come down on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can ignore it because it is so ubiquitous and influential. Uh, I, I think that, it, I mean, take a look at, take a look at where Americans, uh, rank COVID in their, you know, list of concerns and tell me media doesn't have an impact. Like the, the big corporate media doesn't have an impact. I mean, it's, it's very clear that they, they shape the narratives, they, they drive the discussion. So yeah, we have to focus on it. I also, you know, take, uh, I do take issue with, with, uh, a slight issue with this, notion that you know the the parties are exactly the same that's i don't think that is that is true i think that for all the flaws and weakness and uh, fecklessness of the democratic party there is a distinct difference between uh somebody like joe biden and somebody like ron DeSantis. i think that that is that is uh an important difference for uh you know a lot of a lot of reasons um but that's the subject for another show, I think. I'm yeah, well, we, you know, that conversation at, you know, at a later time. Well, you know, well, what, what we can do, and I think would be good to do is to, um, you know, let's, let's move to talk a little, we, you know, we can go back to Bush in a little bit, but um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about these primary results um, from Tuesday. Uh, we had elections in Pennsylvania and uh, North Carolina, a few other states, but those are like the two kind of big ones where we saw in Pennsylvania, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman uh, pretty decisively defeating uh, Representative Connor Lamb in what was kind of presented, I think, to people as kind of a progressive versus conservative Democrat uh, contest, um, you know, that they're Actual positions on some issues are, are not really that that different, but that's a, a different story. Um, but yeah, you know, I I, th- I think that we, you know we saw that we saw Summer Lee. Uh, it looks like beat back her APAC funded uh, conservative challenger. Um, I, I'm blanking on his name right now. Mike Duncan, maybe, maybe not. Um, and uh, and and then um, I think we still have a tie. Uh, you know, too close to call uh, for the for the Senate GOP contest in Pennsylvania, and then in uh, North Carolina, um, non orgy goer and non coke user uh, Madison Cawthorn uh, was defeated um, after basically the national and, and uh, state GOP threw basically everything that they had at him after he made some comments about what Washington is really like. Um, so Walker, I know that you were you you were paying attention to this. Um, you know, I think that we it, it's I, I question some of the takes and some of the framing around it. Uh, Ryan Grimm at the Intercept kind of you know said it was a, a resounding reject, re, uh, rejection of the party leadership uh, to kind of have Summer Lee win and to have Fetterman win. Um, you know, I, I I wonder if that's true, um, but but I, I definitely think that you know it's it's certainly. I think it's certainly true that it was great to see Summer Lee win. And I think it was, it was, I would rather have Fetterman uh, than Lamb. 
Uh, what's your take on this, Walker? I mean, like, I, I know, I know you you follow this stuff pretty closely. Yeah. So I, I, it's interesting because Fetterman, when he first ran, was like, you know, a Bernie crad, Medicare for all, had Sanders endorsement, and this time around uh, was a lot more, um, uh, a lot more vague. You know, if you go on, if you go on uh, Twitter, you don't find any Medicare for all tweets from this election cycle. Uh, you don't on his website. You don't see Medicare for all. You just see you know universal health care. Like this is a guy who I think tried to carve out his own lane. That's what, that's what the media is framing it as, and that's sort of won him. Uh, you know, people from I think across the the, the political spectrum have been uh, pretty happy to see him him win. You know, I. I started really paying attention to the direction that he was going when I watched a, a debate between um, him and, and Lamb where they talk about masks. And Fetterman was sort of like, no, we don't need a mask mandate. And Lamb was like, we, we should have a mask mandate. Now, obviously, he's not going to do anything about that. But um, I thought it was pretty note, notable because, you know, responding to – and this is, this is my – you know, the, the reporting I've, I'm most proud of is my, my COVID reporting. And it's like, if you don't have the vision of government that, you know, says in a crisis where a million Americans have died, that you that the government shouldn't impose, like, at least a mask mandate to protect the vulnerable, then, like, where are your progressive values? Like, what do you, what do you actually stand for? What's your vision of government, then? So I, I think that... I think that the framing from, from progressives about, oh, we've scored these great victories, like, yeah, it's great to see Summerlee win. Uh, and yeah, it's probably, it's probably good that, that Connor Lamb is out. But I, I don't see it as a resounding progressive victory. Nobody really ran on the Biden administration's inability to get things done. Like, I don't think it's a rejection of, of Biden. Certainly not. Uh, if anything... These candidates ran on, yeah, we're going to get the th- stuff that Biden wants done. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that like the argument, one of the arguments that I've heard is that that is kind of the, uh, you know, the the, the progressive uh, point of view is to say that is to say that you know that um, you know we're going to fight for the Biden agenda, like that. That is the progressive, uh, the the, the progressive approach. Um, it's bullshit and- though, because the Biden agenda isn't isn't all that progressive. Right. Like it's 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 the money cannon to a lot of uh, to a lot of private sector companies. It's it's not it's not expanding the federal workforce, you know, federal like federal employees conducting research and climate change and and like massive public works that that's gone. That Democratic Party is gone. And if, if this is what progressivism is, it's a pretty weak and impotent version of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think that I, I think that that is not um, a, uh, a a useful way of uh, presenting um, progressivism uh, to people. Uh, you know, in, in, I, I think in a, in a large part because, as you say, uh, you know, this is the Biden agenda is certainly more, I guess, like quote unquote progressive than the. Uh, Trump agenda. Um, but it's not, it's, it's certainly not, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly nowhere near as close as his rhetoric kind of implied that it would be 
while they were on the campaign trail. You know, like there was like a lot of implication uh, that, that a lot of these, you know, uh, progressive priorities, liberal priorities uh, would get through. Uh, so far, we've seen basically nothing. And every time, you know, they, they, they have to negotiate uh, within their own party, uh, they negotiate them down themselves down to nearly nothing. And then um, they, they get nothing anyway. Um, so I, I, I do understand like, oh, yeah, sorry. go ahead. No, no, no. I, was say, I think progressives got so afraid of being labeled like disloyal, like this, you know, the ads against Summer Lee. She's not a loyal Democrat. They're so afraid of that, that they've become just weak, <laughs> toothless. You know, there's what's what's the threat here? Oh, we're going to primary you to be more loyal to your agenda. Like what? Excuse, uh, like, I'm sorry. That is not why people want, you know, progressives winning office to, to pass the agenda that Democratic, that geriatric Democratic Party elites decide on. They, you know, people want to elect people who will enact policies that fundamentally reshape what the government looks like. Get, break this, this four-decade-long neoliberal consensus in D.C. that government can't govern, that it can't do big things, and that if it wants to do big things, it has to go through a private sector intermediary. I think that's, I think that's bullshit. That's, you know, that's where, where I'm at with it. And I imagine that I'm not alone. It's, it's okay, frustrating. So- I, it undermines, I think, the, the progressive movement. I don't think it helps. So within that context, I mean, what do you, so what do you think, um, what do you think that we have seen then? I mean, so like, what can we learn, uh, from, from what we've seen so far? What, like, what, like, what is the, what's the lesson to be learned here, uh, from these victories? If it's, if it's not that there's a rising progressive movement, which, I mean, you know, just to be clear, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like, uh, fuck around and, and, and be vague about this. Like, I agree with you. Um, but like in, in that case, okay. So then what does it mean? I think it means that there, there is a new consensus forming that it recognizes that democratic voters are pathetically scared. (laughs) Just election cycle after election cycle, voters go for familiar and, and, and what they think is safe. They're so afraid of losing ground that they're, that they're giving it. And I think that, look, you have to get elected to, to wield power. I, do I think that it, it's a good thing, ultimately, that people like um, Fetterman and Summer Lee are, are coming into office? You know, I think, I think so, uh, for sure. I, I think, you know, Bowman, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, like these are refreshing voices in the party. I just have yet to see them wield power in any significant way. Uh, and I don't know how many of them it's going to take for them to do that. Um, I, you know, right now they don't have a lot of power. I understand that. And, and uh, they're trying to, you know, sort of take over. What would a party run by AOC look like? What would a party run by Rashida Tlaib look like? Who knows? Uh, I think it would be, I think it would be worlds better than what we, what we have now. But like there is a certain, you know, people get, sort of institutionalized, not, not, you know what I mean, <laughs> not suggesting people get, get thrown into institutions. No, no, no. I'm just no, saying people course, become, yeah. people become part of the machine. They become, you know, and they, and they do make changes to it. It does evolve. It's not static. Nothing is static, but 
But I think the, the, the kinds of radical changes that people want to see are going to require sort of a flashpoint moment. And yeah. we haven't had that. And I don't know what prospects we have for, for that. And so I think we're, we're kind of stuck in this neoliberal paradigm that has obviously failed. Failed people in the wake of the subprime mortgage crisis. It's failing people now in the face of COVID. Um, and it's generating this massive unrest and discontent that's fueling a, an aggressive far right, increasingly militarized and militant far right. Like, that's fucking scary. <laughs> that's, that's the end of democracy right there. These, these guys, the Republicans, well, Democrats are sort of twiddling their thumbs and trying to figure out, like, well, how can we, what can we do next? They're trying to game, you know, game elections. Republicans are, are stacking the courts. They're, they are dismantling the, the federal, the administrative state to ensure that a, a new deal is an impossibility, that we couldn't even implement one if we passed it. I mean, we saw this in the wake of COVID relief. You know, how are we going to, uh, how are you going to distribute this relief? How are you going to systematically ensure that the money that you have for upgrading ventilation goes to that? There was never any oversight on any of that. And we just didn't have the capability or people's uh, rent assistance. How are we going to deliver it to them? Well, it turns out that was a major, you know, clusterfuck. So, yeah, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, that's, on a yeah, tangent like, there. It's just very disappointing to see. I mean, you know, there, I, I think that it's important to, to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling from last night, which kind of uh, is like just a, in, in, in the most simplistic of terms, like what it did was basically say that the SEC can't enforce um, its its rules. So basically, it just means that um, there's no enforcement uh, outside of the courts, which kind of, uh, I guess, takes the federal government out of the federal government. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not smart enough to really completely understand it, but that does appear to be, uh, what's going on here. Um, and you know, people are sufficiently freaking out that I'm pretty freaked out as to what this might mean. Um, you know, going forward, especially with, you know, with like what Walker's talking about, you know, if we need to have some sort of large scale, uh, uh, you know, like government project, you know, it's going to get caught up in the courts and the courts look like they're just going to stop it uh, right where it is. And that has kind of been like the plan for a while. Um, and, and like Walker was saying, I mean, that's why uh, the GOP put their people uh, into the courts. And this is, you know, I, I, I understand and I, I agree with Sean that um, that sometimes uh, you know, the, it's it's hard to see any distinction uh, between the parties, and and oftentimes it looks like there is no distinction. Um, but the far right project that is being pursued uh, by the uh, by the GOP and their far right allies is uh, uh, fundamentally different than the kind of center right project of the Democrats. Um, and I mean, there's a reason that they are. Uh, contesting each other for power. I mean, if you think that that they're just doing this uh, because because they just want to give you like a show uh, while they while their real motivation is to is to rob the country blind and everybody is in on it, except you know, like that's that's just not realistic. I mean, like what you're looking at here is you have a uh, I mean, again, the most simplistic terms possible. You have um, 
two main forces, two main oligarchical political forces uh, who are vying for control in how to run the country. And that is, you know, essentially what the Democratic and Republican Party are doing. And I mean, if they weren't, then they wouldn't spend as much money on, on elections and they wouldn't work so hard to uh, to manipulate the vote. Uh, you got some bad feedback coming behind you there, Walker. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, so I just, you know, I understand the frustration, um, but uh, I this think is that, better. I think that, that's Sorry. a bit of a simplistic way of thinking. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Is this better? Is my, I just wanted to make sure that. Yeah, you better. Yeah, you're my, better. go ahead. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Yeah, I mean these these guys. Just just to give you like a brief outline, I'm I'm working on a limited series podcast, sort of about this as it relates to COVID. But these guys have packed the courts to roll back the administrative state. They have gerrymandered the hell out of out of the state legislatures and Congress to effectively establish minoritarian rule. Then you have the Senate, which already uh, privileges conservative white voters over the uh, sort of liberal majority in this country. And I say that understanding full well that it's a coalition of like left-wing voters and center-left voters. But when I, you know, I mean, the overall majority of America supports abortion rights. They, you know, generally agree with things that Democrats claim to stand for. Um, they, this is, it's very dire, <laughs> The, the situation that we're in because like if the majority in this country can't elect a government and even if it does manage to, if that government can't deliver, I mean, that's, this is, it's a recipe for fascism. It's, it's a, it's a recipe for a, a far right takeover, the rise of authoritarianism. I mean, we're, we are looking down the barrel, I think of, of a gun right now. And it's, it's terrifying. I mean, I, I, this is why I bristle when people are like, well, both parties are the same. Like, okay, yes, both parties have, they, they represent capital and they, um, you know, they're, they, they do share donors and, and Democrats are often so ineffectual as to solidify the, uh, horrible changes that Republicans make. But I do not think that these parties do not make the mistake of assuming that the parties are exactly the same. They are not. The, the right has a project to dismantle our democracy and our ability to have a, a federal government. They, this is until, until for, uh, I guess for the short term, once they take over, it's federal supremacy all the way. You know, if they ban abortion nationwide, if, they, if the Republicans take over and ban abortion nationwide, which they're they're talking about, then you won't hear these states' rights arguments. That you're not going to hear the, those those arguments. You're you're going to have you know this is what the government is doing. Get with it, or 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 either get out or get arrested or whatever. Like it's it's pretty scary. We're in a pretty precarious moment right now, and I I don't hear many people talking about it. I don't see progressives governing like it. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's just where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I, you know, I do think that uh, there are going to always be um, a number of, of of people in the in the, in the liberal sphere in the in the Democratic Party who are, you know, the, the, like 
who will go along with this stuff, um, you know, once, once it happens. So that's something to certainly, uh, keep in mind. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree that, I agree that referring to them as exactly the same is just not helpful. Um, I just don't think that it's like particularly, uh, realistic. Um, and I think that, uh, it's just not a very serious way to look at this stuff. Um, when, when you have, Again, when you have like two parties of capital who are vying for control, um, they're not vying for control because they agree and they want to fake you out. Like they're vying for control because they have slightly different or fundamentally different in some ways uh, perspectives on how the country should be governed. And and that's just like a fact. I mean, that's just like the way it is. Like it's not, you know, that's, that's, it's not like some trick um, that's being played. It's not some... Uh, there's not some like weird hustle going on uh, with that. It's just like, that's just the way uh, that things are set up. And so anyway, to get back to um, to the elections just here with the last couple of minutes that we have, um, Madison Cawthorn uh, loses his uh, bid uh, to be the Republican candidate uh, for his seat in Congress, which, which basically means like, that's it. He's not going to, he's not going to be able to get back in. Um, and, uh, you know, it does come after he made a number of comments about, you know, what D.C. was really like. Um, and, you know, this this guy is like 26 and that probably, you know, maybe that explains like his kind of credulous uh, statements here. Or, you know, maybe he was just uh, talking shit off the, off the cuff. Um, I, you know, I, I find I find the idea that, you know, he saw a member of Congress snorting coke um, to be completely believable. I don't know, uh, like, why anybody would say that's not believable um, or or that, you know, that he would be, you know, invited to weird uh, sex parties. Uh, also, also certainly believable. Um, however, you know, uh, he, he was the, the, the National Party did throw basically everything that they had to him. Um, and, uh, and 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 now he's done. And so, um, yeah, I guess I'm curious, Walker, as to what you think about that. You know, what do you think about his uh, his defeat? And, um, what do you think about, uh, just generally, you know, like, like, like what he said before he got knocked out? I mean, do you, I, I would assume that you probably agree that there's probably some truth to this, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 100%. No, no. For the first time in human history, the powerful don't, don't indulge in, in excess and, and, uh, you know, are, are not, are not completely hedonistic. I I completely believe that that those things happen. Um, at the same time, I can't help but think like, what if uh, what if Democrats treated like Joe Manchin that way? Oh, you're gonna you go against us here? Well, we know where your bo- where the bodies are buried. So like, like you you have to like it, it's it's funny that like watching a a, a party enforce unity and you know strict messaging you know unity and messaging where that doesn't exist on the other side and again with the threat so so serious um it's pretty astounding and upsetting that that kind of thing isn't isn't happening like how if they if biden really gave you know two shits about his agenda you would think that that they would be doing something similar to mansion but I don't know. Um, yeah, I've, I've been, I've long been a proponent of the idea that, um, 
that if Democrats really wanted uh, to get Manchin in line, uh, they would um, uh, pretty pretty easily do that if they just, uh, you know, told him that they were going to investigate his daughter for price fixing on EpiPen. Um, or his kickbacks to his coal business, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, yeah, or like his son in the coal business. I mean, there are a lot of, like, ways that they could do it. Um, of course, they don't want to do it. And their and their defenders will uh, will get really mad at you if you even suggest it because um, well, I'm not really quite sure why. Because um, he'll switch parties. Me. He'll switch parties. Well, no, no he's not it, fucking it, switching you know, the parties. Reason, the reason that I was given was that um, it would be so corrupt that uh, that it would mean that you know that that uh, this this one guy um, who likes to talk a lot about the revolving door uh, told me that. Um, an investigation into Manchin's daughter for this uh, would be an act of corruption to the point that, you know, that he would support, um, uh, you know, Biden being impeached for even, even suggesting it. Um, oh my God. That, the, I've the heard that. Being, I've heard that too. I mean, the lack of being able to fight for things, I think is kind of part of the democratic party's problem um, because you should really just be trying to like destroy this guy. 100%. Yeah. What absolutely not just him, you know, the other side as well. You, your entire effort should be, uh, they should take all the money that they spend throwing at progressives and use it to figure out a, a real line of attack against the Republican Party and throw that money at them and focus on rebuilding our national capability, you know, the federal government's administrative capability. I mean, this is, this is a crisis. We're currently in a crisis. Climate change is getting worse. It's going to be, you know, the strain on our on our country from from this moment that we're in. Long COVID affects. We don't know what percentage of people who survive COVID get get long COVID, but some estimates range at fifty percent. Hundreds of millions of people are being infected. Like that's a strain on our healthcare system. That's already shown it can't handle strain like we really need to rebuild our our federal government four decades of this of this dismantling has just left us crippled and the worst of climate change is yet to come i don't think our democracy can survive if we don't if we don't rebuild it and and to see democrats going after progressives and not doing anything about mansion while republicans are are carrying on this 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 project is just whew. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a yeah, lot don't worry don't worry it's, it's, it's not going to survive like that's not like that's not even an option <laughs> that's not going to happen um well uh walker thanks uh thanks for this um thanks for coming on and sh- on short notice to uh to talk about this stuff um uh, you know always always good to chat always always uh embrace the opportunity to talk shit especially about bush um, so I appreciate you coming on for that. Um, where can people, uh, find you and find your work? Well, uh, right now you can find me on the, uh, on the opt out app. Uh, if you go, if you have an Apple iPhone, uh, you can go to the app store and you can download the, uh, the opt out news aggregation app. Just type in opt out one word space news, and it'll come up. You can stream, uh, podcasts, you can watch YouTube videos, you can read great reporting like is done at the Flashpoint. And um, yeah, 
so so that's where you that's where you can find me. That's the project I'm working on today. Excellent. All right. Well, um, everybody uh, listening live or on replay on the app, uh, please uh, be sure to uh, give a subscribe and a follow if you're listening on replay on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Do all the things that are uh, like that on there. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, uh, for joining us. We will be back next week. I uh, hope everyone has a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.